Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Michael Fields here again. Another Wednesday evening in Bible study, and I'm so glad to be with you again. Another week, another opportunity to come together in fellowship. God has been so good to us. He's been keeping us and watching over us. And it is my privilege, as always, to come into your homes, your automobiles, wherever you may be. It's time to go into God's word. Let's go into a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we're so grateful for all that you've done. And we're excited about all that you're about to do. We ask you, O God, in the midst of this time that we're spending together, that you would speak to our hearts and minds, encourage, strengthen, heal, deliver, whatever is needed. I pray that you would move in the midst of your word. Bless everyone that connects with us on tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. Now, you know we have been in the series um, for some time uh, dealing with holiness. And our theme has been holiness is still right. And um, the Lord has been blessing. And tonight we're going to continue. This will be part five of our series on holiness. So tonight we're going to deal with a topic that's a little controversial. And, and you know, it, it seems a little strange in the church that this topic would be controversial, but this topic deals with repentance, living a life of repentance, and it is a part of holiness. And we're going to deal with it on tonight. Our theme scriptures, Second um, Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, and also uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. Now, I'm going to let you know up front, I'm not going to be able to get through all of the lesson um, on tonight, so uh, I just let the secret out. There's going to be another session on next week dealing with holiness, and it will probably uh, pick up on repentance and then move on uh, to the next segment that I want to share with you. But tonight we're going to start it uh, as we continue our series. Holiness is still right. Subtopic is uh, living a life of repentance, living a life of repentance. I'm going to read out of our anchor verse, Second Corinthians chapter 7. Verses 9 through 11. Um, now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge in all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. In the other verse out of Revelation, we'll read it for you. It says these words, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, 
and repent. So, uh, as I said, we're continuing with our series on holiness. Uh, holiness is still right. Uh, and you heard me mention in our last lesson that uh, repentance, for some reason, is a controversial topic, especially as it relates to living a life of repentance, because there are many who feel that once you're saved, uh, you know, uh, and if you make a mistake after you've received salvation, if you if you fall in sin afterwards, you don't have to repent because you've already been forgiven and the blood of Jesus has already um, been applied. Uh, Paul said this, though. Uh, he said, if I, and, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, if I go back into sin, knowing that it's sin, uh, if, I, if I go back, he said, I make myself a sinner. Um, so he, he understood that in order for me to get where I need to be or stay where I should be, uh, I, I'm going to have to repent. I'm going to have to turn away. Uh, but it's it's controversial in the church. People, some feel that, well, I'm under grace. And if I make a mistake or if I sin, I don't need to repent any more. You're already forgiven uh, because you've already repented. Um, I say that perhaps you've repeated, but you did not repent. You repeated. If you repeat if you repeat, uh, but you did not repent. And repentance and repeating are two different things. Example, you've been delivered from a particular sin and you go back into it and you never say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. You, you don't turn away from that sin. Then you've entered into a cycle. Or if, if for those of you who are into complete computers, a continuous loop. Uh, and so you keep repeating and you've never repented, which which is deeper than just saying, I'm sorry. It means that you've turned away from it. Uh, let's go to first John chapter two, verse one. This is what the apostle John says. He's an older man now and he's talking to the church. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to born again believers his objective is to continue the posterity of the church. He actually is the last one left. And he's leaving some nuggets uh, for us to, to glean on. And he says these words. He says, my little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to the church. That scripture I read in Revelation. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to the church. He says, I'll read what John writes again. First John chapter two, verse one. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the righteous. So uh, this is where I am as it relates to repentance. And you may want to write this down. Of course, there is that initial repentance, right? Uh, where you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and you turn from a world of sin and you receive salvation. Uh, that 
Repentance deals with conversion, a change in your life. You've, you've been changed. You didn't change yourself. You received the gift of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit uh, began the change. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. So that initial repentance deals with conversion. But there is what is called a recurring repentance, a recurring repentance. That deals with discipleship. Let me back up. The initial repentance is when, of course, you repented, you were baptized, you received your salvation, you turned from sin. But and that uh, repentance dealt with your conversion. But there is a recurring repentance, which which simply means if, if I make a mistake, if I fall into sin, I have to come to God and ask him to forgive me. That's repentance and turn from it, not to do it anymore. Yes, because saved folk do make mistakes. We're, we're still in our flesh. We're, we're striving every day. And some of us have fallen into sin. But you don't get up and don't say, I'm sorry. You don't turn from it and just walk away like nothing happened. No. Uh, so recurring repentance deals with discipleship. And I think the problem, this is the problem here. The problem uh, is in our environment and most of our churches, we just concentrate on membership. Yes, uh, I've got X amount of members. Sometimes the pastors even get together and say, how many, you know, they don't say this anymore. They used to say it. I'm telling my A's, hey, doc, how many members you got? And we're counting members like they're cattle. Right. Uh, but after membership, what what's supposed to happen after membership, after membership, after they've joined the church, after they've received, after they come out the prayer room, that's when discipleship happens. This is after now I have to learn how to continue in holiness. I stepped in holiness. I'm in it now. I've received my salvation. Now I have to begin the path of discipleship. Discipleship is a lot stronger than membership. A, there are a whole lot of people who have joined churches, but you have never taken the time to become a disciple or been discipled. So when we, when we come to things like living holy uh, and, and walking in righteousness, Sometimes this this rubs people the wrong way because they haven't been taught it. Uh, they know about the blessings. They know about miracles uh, and uh, they know about prosperity because these are the things they've been fed. Uh, but. What would it profit a man to gain the world, this whole world and lose his soul? So I think the problem is we, we concentrate on counting members. Uh, but Jesus dealt with discipleship. He dealt with discipleship. After they become a member, they must be discipled. They must be taught the way of holiness and righteousness, not just the rules and regulations of your church, uh, not just what time service begins, not just the uniform. You got to be in black and white, not just what you have to wear on your head. And no. Uh, we have to be taught the ways of God and his way is a way of holiness. And if I fall, if I stumble, if I go into sin, even after salvation, I have to repent. I have to live a life of repentance. 
I can't be so full of pride and and rest on my laurels until I get up and walk as though I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't offended God. And sometimes let's be real. Sometimes you think the wrong thoughts. I won't say you. I'll say we. Sometimes you may say the wrong thing. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And you turn from it. You turn from it. And that's what repentance is all about. For some reason, to the saints of God, repentance is a dirty word. Uh, but I found the same thing you did to get saved, you, you'll need to do to stay saved. Forgive me of my sins. Every day you get up, Lord, keep me. Before you lay your head down, Lord, if I said anything, anything I said or thought that was out of your will, forgive me, cleanse me. Even David said, create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. He had a relationship with God and he made some mistakes. You know David's story. Create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, blot out my transgressions, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. That's repentance. So. Uh, this is where I think the problem is. We we want members, but we don't want disciples. And that sort of lets uh, the leaders off the hook. You you don't have to pull them in righteousness. Just, just follow the rules of the church and you'll be all right. Uh, but that's not good enough. We're supposed to be following God's plan. So we're going to cover some areas on tonight uh, as it relates to repentance, of course. Uh, we'll talk about what is repentance, and and that's turning away, not just saying sorry, but I'm turning away from sin, and I'm turning towards God. Uh, growing up in grace uh, and growing down in the flesh, growing grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So uh, the closer I get to God, uh, the further away I get from self, right? Uh, we'll deal with uh, further perceptions. Uh, in holiness, we'll deal with uh, why should we continue in repentance, right? And the, here is where the controversy is, because many say I've already repented, already said I'm sorry, right? Um, I already, I already repented, uh, and that that was 20 years ago. But you've done some things between then and now that you never ask God to forgive you for. Unacknowledged sin is unforgiven sin, right? Um, and what I just said is controversial. I've, I've never acknowledged, so I've never repented of it. Uh, God will just take what I give him. God will just accept uh, what I do, whatever I say. So we'll talk about why should we continue in this way of repentance. Let's go into our lesson. Um, we're in Second Corinthians. And, you know, Corinthian church, they were a powerful church. The gifts of the spirit were in full operation in this church. They had the Holy Ghost. They were speaking in tongues, prophesying, interpretation of tongues, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom. All of these gifts were in operation in this particular congregation. Uh, but there were issues. There was division. Right. And, you, you know, the history of of the church. Um, so Paul, he writes to make corrections. He rebukes, right? He was not afraid to tell them when they were wrong. He says on one occasion, you are carnal. 
Hallelujah. And if you're carnal, you can't please God. A carnal mind is enmity against God. Now, he's not talking to sinners. He's talking to a church congregation. There should be no schism. There should be no division among you. But I'm hearing that there are contentions among you. Um, so he does some teaching. He does some rebuking and he does some correction. Uh, there was even an issue uh, that he deals with in, in 1 Corinthians where a young man was having an affair with his father's wife. And Paul was incensed and no one is correcting him. No one is bringing him uh, to the carpet. You're, you're sinning. What you're doing is wrong. These were not sinners. These were saints. And Paul had to correct, right? Uh, and the object of the correction, the object of correction is to push the person or individual to repent of their ways, to change their ways. And that's what repentance is. Turn from what you've been doing and look in the right direction. So uh, Paul writes to them and um here we are in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. I've read them. I'll read them again. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. For ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. So here he opens up. He is opening up, though, the chapter, chapter 7. He opens up. Uh, dealing with uh, the promises of God. I'm going to go here because I need to express some things that were happening in the previous chapter that prompted him to write what he's writing in chapter seven. So here we go. Um, he says, having therefore, and I'm in verse one of chapter seven, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Now, I need to say before I finish, he's not talking to sinners. He is writing to a church filled with spirit-filled believers. And he's writing to the saints saying, I'll start again, having therefore these promises. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I need to read it one more time so you can hear it real well. And I need to say it again. He's not talking to sinners. He's writing to a church filled with the Holy Ghost. And this is what he says to them. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness, of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So uh, this is Paul's conclusion. This is his conclusion to what he has to write and deal with in chapter six. Chapter six, Second Corinthians, and I'll read a bit of it, verses 14 through 18. I just read a conclusion to what he had to deal with in verse and chapter, I'm sorry, six, 
And this is what he wrote. Chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. Listen to these words. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? I'll read further. Mm -hmm. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So uh, he's saying, uh, this is this is what he's saying. And I have in my notes in that passage that I just read, Paul is telling them that they need to separate themselves from the worldly influences so they can live a life that's close to God so they can live holy. I cannot live holy if I'm influenced so much by the world because the world is not holy. The world is not holy. We are holy. God said, be holy for I am holy. So the pastor is sending them a rebuke and his conclusion comes up in chapter seven because he has rebuked them or he's correcting them concerning their worldliness. The church is not supposed to be worldly. We're not supposed to mimic the world. We are supposed to be like our father who is holy. So he is giving them his expression, saying that you need to be separate from uh, the worldly influences so that you can live a life that's close to God. Because if I'm close to him, he'll be close to me. If I draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to me. But if I draw nigh to the world, then I'm pulling away from my holy God. So the commandment that he gives to come out from among them and be separate, right? That's in verse 17, come out from among them. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Uh, it is coupled with a promise. If you separate from the world, come out from among them. The promise is, if you do this, I will receive you right away, immediately. That tells me that God does not receive everything or any old thing. But here he's saying, if you do this, if you separate yourself from the world, if you wipe off the influences of the world, separate yourself from the world and get close to me. He said, if you do that, the promise is I will receive you. I will receive you. What else? He said, I will receive you. Uh-huh. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters. That's powerful. 
I'll be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God Almighty. So if I separate myself from worldly thinking, if I separate myself from thinking like the world, acting like the world, God promises a closer relationship with him. I'm going to say it again. According to what we just read, if I separate myself from thinking like the world and acting like the world, then I can have a close relationship with God. And that relationship is a relationship based on holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Second Corinthians uh, chapter seven, verse one. I'm going to read it again. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So uh, two things to do in light of the promises of God. God, we have these promises. And last week, Peter, I spoke from the words that Peter spoke. We have we have these promises that God is has in store for us and living holy. And I'm paraphrasing now helps us tap into the things God has provided for us through his word. Two things to do in light of God's promises. He said, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. I got to cleanse myself from the things of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear or reverence of God. Cleanse yourselves from filthiness of the flesh and filthiness of the spirit. Cleanse ourselves from filthiness. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness. So this this is what we take away from this. There is a cleansing that God alone can do in our lives. There's, there's, a, there's a portion of this that only God can do. There is a portion that you and I must do. There's a cleansing that God uh, wants to do in cooperation with us. He won't do it if I don't let go. Uh, and I, I have to give everything to him. I have to present my body as a living sacrifice, right? Holy and acceptable. This is what I have to do, but God will do his part. So he's writing about, Paul is writing about a cleansing that isn't just something God does for us, right? Uh, salvation is not just me sitting in the, in the chair for year after year saying, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. No, work out your salvation. We're supposed to live a life. And, and in this living, yes, I may do some things that are not pleasing to God. I may fall. I may get weak and I have to come to him in humility and repent and turn, turn back. How many times in the word of God do you see where the Lord is telling his people to turn back his children? He's not talking to the world. He's talking to his own children. And here in Corinthians, Paul is talking to God's children. Cleanse yourselves from filthiness. And this filthiness came from having worldly desires. 
allowing the worldly influences to push them and dictate to them. And they got dirty. Listen, uh, look, look at it this way. Salvation, right? He saves us. He cleans us up. When, when I was a child, my mother made sure I took a bath. She made sure my hair was combed. I smelled good. I looked good. And then I had to go out. I had to leave the house. Right. And then when I left the house, that's when life began. When I left the house to go to school or whatever. And I came back, I may have played in the grass or fallen down. I may have, you know, you know how kids do. You know how children do. And when I came back, I was dirty by the effects of whatever I went through during the day. And I had to wash. And as people of God, during our daily lives, there comes a time every now and then when you have to go and wash. I know you took a bath last month, but God knows you need to take another bath because along the way you got dirty. And listen, I'm, I'm not making fun of this. This is the real deal, because there's some people that want you to feel like if I make a mistake, if I do wrong, I, I don't have to say I'm sorry anymore. I don't have because I, I already did it. Uh, but we have to learn how to live a life of repentance, which simply means I'm going to continue walking away from sin towards my God. And it's a challenge. Don't let anybody just preach to you and act like it's not a challenge. It's a challenge. This is why we're spending time talking about holiness. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness, right? Now, there is a main aspect of cleansing that comes to us as we trust the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Uh, the work of cleansing is really God's work in us and not our work. The work of cleansing is God's work in us and not our works. So it simply means I have to allow him to wash me, to cleanse me, create in me a clean heart. Right. Uh, you have to allow him to do it. You got to let him do it. You can't be so full of pride until you say, I'm OK. I'm OK. No. Uh, let him let him wash you all. Is it Timothy Wright used to sing a song? Wash me over again in thy precious blood. Wash me over again. So I, I get this sense. Uh, if I go back to first John, let's go to first John, chapter one, verse nine. Um, this is what John says. And again, John is talking to the church. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to the church. He's talking to born again, spirit filled believers. And this is what old man John says. He's the last apostle left. And this is what John says to the little children. You and I, he says in verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, John knew what some of us would say, oh, I'm OK. I already did that. John said, man, let me tell you, verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, if you sit here and say you never had the wrong thought, never said the wrong thing, right? Never did anything questionable. You just went, got up and went on about your business. He said, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. Now, that's powerful because if God's word is in you and you have the power of God living in you, he's going to tell you when you did something wrong. 
you know you have no business going there. He's going to speak to you. And so for those who argue what I'm teaching concerning repentance, and you mean to tell me you're not going to repent and say, Lord, forgive me. I won't do that anymore. That's what repentance is all about. This is what I'm saying. This is, this is what I'm saying. He said he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He is faithful and just, but you got to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry. And again, I'm going to say this quite a few times in this lesson. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to the people of God. And if you say you haven't sinned or you've never done anything wrong since you've been born again, he said you make God a liar because he's watching us. The Holy Ghost is in you. And I know the Holy Ghost is not going to let you walk through that door knowing that it's wrong and he don't speak to you. And you know the word. He said, if you know the word, if, if you know the word, but if you conduct yourself as though. Uh, you haven't done anything wrong. He said, then you make God a liar and his word is not in you. And my question is, if, if his word is not in you, then what's that inside of you? That makes you feel like you don't have to repent. You don't have to say, Lord, forgive me. You won't receive the correction of the Holy Ghost, right? Some of us won't receive the correction of the Holy Ghost. You won't receive the correction of a pastor, or your spiritual leader, you just you just want to walk around all willy nilly and do what you want to do. But that's not what holiness is all about. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you mad, uh, but we have to do this the right way. There's a main aspect of cleansing that comes to us because we trust the work of the Holy Ghost, the work of Christ in our lives. And if I confess my sins, if I come to the Lord and say, Lord, I've done wrong, his word, his word, his word says he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, there's another aspect of this cleansing that Paul is referring to. And he's and they got dirty because the influence of the world, the influence of the world. And let me let me get into that, because the world seems to have a big influence on a lot of people in church. So much so until a lot of people in church are acting like the world they're looking like the world. And you, you don't like this part, but it's the truth. You look like the world, you act like the world, you come to church dressed like the world, right? It's, it's, it's not God's way. It's not God's way. And I can go into a lot of places right there and immediately I know you would pull back because people say, oh, it don't have nothing to do. Listen, there's a spirit behind it. There's a spirit behind what people do and what people wear. Listen, when, when Jacob was in war. This is Old Testament stuff. And they had to do reconnaissance. Right. And their war was against the Canaanites and the men were doing reconnaissance. The only way they were able to tell the difference between the Israelites and the Canaanites was how they dressed. I'm going to tell you what, because the Canaanites, their worship was different. Right. Um, they did sexual acts as a part of worship. And it could have, it was between women and women, men and men, whoever you wanted. You know what I'm saying? And the men were cross-dressers. 
So it was nothing to see a Canaanite man dressed in feminine garments. And I know you say, well, they all wore tunics. There was still a difference between a man's tunic and a woman's tunic. All right, so don't be cute with me. And they wore jewelry in their ears. They, a lot of them were cross dresses. There was homosexuality among them. And this is another reason why God did not want them to tangle with them because of their lifestyle. So when they came back with all of the, the goods from the enemy and they counted the dead and so forth, he immediately made the men take the earrings out of their ear and take that stuff off because there's a spirit behind. That's another lesson and I'll back away, but a lot of things really need to be discussed. Uh, because in some ways the church has gotten out of control. We don't want to live according to holiness. One prophet said it should be line upon line, precept upon precept. Um, so there's another part of cleansing. Let me go back. That looks for us to do, uh, or I should say to participate. That, that deals with my will and my effort. Because Paul said, cleanse your Selves, cleanse yourselves, cleanse yourself. Uh, and this action is really connected with my intimacy with God. Getting closer, I have to initiate, I have to move closer to Him. How do I do it? More prayer, more fasting, right? Acknowledging that I need to get closer to God. This aspect of cleansing is connected to my intimacy with God and usefulness for service. And what makes me useful for service is being what and where God wants me to be. And I have to, I have to come to a place of holiness and I can't do everything the world is doing. I shouldn't even want to do everything the world is doing. Not if I'm getting closer to God, not if I'm having a relationship with God, Right. Um, how can we expect God to purify our hearts if we are continually indulging in the things of the world? How can I say, Lord, I want to be close to you and continually give my heart over to the world, my hands, my ears. Right. I'm giving it all to the world uh, and I'm I'm taking everything that I have and involving myself in things that are forbidden in God's word. Uh, it, it tends, and this is what Mr. Clark says. He's a, he's a, um, he's a theologian. He says, I, if I do this, what will happen is evil will enter into my soul. This is what this commentator says. How can those experiences, how can those expect God to purify their hearts who are continually indulging their eyes, ears, hands, and what is forbidden and what tends to increase and bring into action all the evil propensities of the soul? Because if I'm not being spiritual, I'm going to live according to my flesh. And if I live according to my flesh, I'm going to want to satisfy the lust of my flesh. And I'm not going to concern myself with the things of God. And this is what this theologian is saying. Um, so from all filthiness, Paul says, 
of the flesh and spirit. And I have in my notes, we often think of purity before the Lord only in terms of cleansing our flesh. Right. And here's the mistake that we make because we come to church and we only think a lot of times about the filthiness of our flesh. And that gets into the pulling off of things, uh, taking off of things. Right. And we often think about that. But there is also a filthiness of the spirit. It's, it's not just the flesh. Uh, there's also the filthiness of the spirit that we need to cleanse ourselves from. This is why David said, create in me a clean heart and renew right spirit within. Renew it because my spirit is off. I've, I've allowed the world or my lust to contaminate my spirit and it's, and it's not right. And when you get tangled with the world, when you are so influenced by the world now, you've tasted salvation, but you want to do everything like the world, look like the world, act like the world, right? You even want to be in the world a lot of times. Yes, there are people sitting in God's house missing the world. You are contaminating your own spirit. So um, sometimes it, it's easier to deal with the flesh than it is to deal with what's going on in my spirit. And this is why it's so difficult to get people to repent, even in the church, because their spirit has been tainted. Because they spent so much time dipping and mixing and indulging instead of saying, Lord, I just want to do it your way. And listen to this. I have in my notes during the ministry of Jesus, those who were stained by the filthiness of the flesh. Right. And he and these are people that he dealt with. He dealt with harlots and tax collectors. Right. Um people of ill repute, they had bad reputations and Jesus would, would come and deliver them from this. Um, but it was more difficult for him to win those who had damaged spirits. They had stained or filthy spirits. Those were the church folk, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? Uh, these stained by the filthiness of the spirit, scribes and Pharisees. They had all this word in them, but they were missing the mark. They became self-righteous, not holy, but self-righteous, because even though they were had all these rules and regulations, uh, but their mentality said, do what I say do, not what you see me do. Uh, and sometimes it's pride and legalism. Uh, Self-focus, being self-absorbed, uh, not Christ-like, but self-like. Um, sometimes it's bitterness or hatred. Uh, all of these things can make my spirit filthy. So there's a defilement of the spirit that is dependent uh, or independent, I should say, of the foulness of the flesh. Sometimes it's not a flesh problem. Sometimes you got an issue with your spirit. You got it. Something is wrong with you spiritually. Hallelujah. Something is wrong. So we have to live a life of repentance when something is wrong. When our behavior is wrong, we have to go to God and say, Lord, cleanse me. Forgive me. We have to come to a place of repentance. What would happen 
if I, if I continue in this vein, never repenting, never turning away with a filthy spirit, how am I going to make it in? And I have the word. You have to come to him. Lord, forgive me. And he will cleanse you. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He will cleanse us. He will cleanse us. So, um, I, I think, I feel that the sins of the spirit are more deadly than the sins of the flesh. Yeah. Uh, because if, if my spirit isn't right, then I'm, I'm really in trouble. I'm, I'm, I'm really in trouble and I need the Holy Ghost. I need God to, to renew me. Right. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. But he says, and, and that was the wrong scripture. Here's the right one. When Paul is talking to the Roman church, he says, be not conformed. And remember, I said he's talking to the Roman church. Church people don't be conformed to the world. Why? Because it will make your spirit filthy. It will mess you up spiritually. And this is why so many people are messed up in their spirit, man, because they are indulging continuously with the world. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I, I wish I really wish that we were concerned, more concerned about cleansing and being where we should be with God. Uh, I'm inclined to think. And this is what Charles Spurgeon says. He's, a, he's another theologian. He says, I wish we were more concerned about cleansing ourselves from the filthiness of the spirit. I am inclined to think that some men heedlessly pollute their spirits. I mean that they do it willfully. They do it on purpose. But Paul says we, we are perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So this is something we need to add to it. He's, he's not writing about a, a state of sinless perfection. No, I'm going to make mistakes. He's not saying that, that we're striving for perfection, but he says perfecting has the idea of complete and whole. So in, in, instead of a sinless perfection, he's writing about being complete in holiness. So I'm striving that I'll, I'll be a, a total package a whole package, right? And I, I won't, I won't fool anybody. What you, what you see will be real. I'm really holy through and through. We talked about it last week. Sanctify you holy. Sanctify you holy. I've, I've got a lot to go through and I know already uh, that I'm not going to make, make it through all of this. Uh, but, here are personal words that uh, about Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church, right? He's their pastor. And um, he says, open your hearts to us. I'm going to go back. Well, uh, I'll stay here. Chapter seven, verses two and three. Paul, Paul says, receive us. I'm in chapter seven, verse two. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. He says, open your hearts to us. Open your hearts to us. 
and this is why Paul is saying this. He said, I spoke the truth to you. What kind of pastor would I be if I didn't tell you the truth? What kind of man of God would I be if I never corrected you when I saw you wrong? So he said, open your hearts to me. Don't, don't shut down because I'm giving you the truth. I'm giving you what is needed to make it in. Who wants to go to church for years and, and end up in hell and never make the rapture? All that time wasted. So he says, open your hearts to me. Open your hearts. I want to read that again. Oh, ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightening your own bowels. Now, for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto you, my children, be ye also enlarged. This is why Paul is saying this, because he's dealing, he's dealing with their worldliness. And this was keeping them from having the relationship with God that they needed to have with them. He's dealing with their worldliness, which means some of them are going back into sin. I already discussed one young man was having an affair with his father's wife and their attitude towards the sin was like, uh, you know, I'm not getting involved in that. And no one was correcting him. And here's another problem. Folks in church don't want to be corrected. Don't tell me I did anything wrong. I'm fine. I'm fine. And what kind of pastor will not tell people that they are wrong? Paul had to say to the Galatian church, he said, I tell you the truth and, and now I'm your enemy. You don't want me to be your pastor no more because I told you the truth. Stand fast. And the liberty wherewith Christ have made you free. Folks were leaving the church in the Galatian congregation because people were coming in telling them you don't have to do all that. And some of them left. He said, and this is wrong. Ye which are spiritual, restore them in the spirit of meekness. And uh, so here we have spoken openly to you. Our heart was wide open. You also be open. Receive the word. Don't reject the word. Receive the word. And, and receive the word. What was the word that he gave them that that erupted some kind of turbulence in the church? He said, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Stop mixing so much with the world. Be the church. Be holy. Uh, and, and if you've sinned, if you've done wrong, repent. He's pulling them back in. And that's what repentance is all about. Right. Have no no uh, concord with Belial. Come out from among them. All right. Uh, come out from among, among them. I'm sorry. And the promise is if you come out from among them, I'll receive you and I'll be your father and you'll be my sons and daughters. Right. And it spills over now into chapter seven. Here, Paul is saying, because we have these promises. We have these promises and you can't receive what God has promised you if you're not living a holy life. You need to turn from it, which means repent. That's what repentance is all about. It's not just saying I'm sorry, but it's turning from it. You have to turn away from it. Having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you, 
I'm not condemning you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not God, but it is my job, my calling, right, to cry loud and to give you that correction. Uh, he said, great is my boldness of speech toward you. I wasn't afraid. And, and we can't be afraid to say, no, that's, that's not right. That's not of God. He said, I spoke with boldness towards you. Great is my glorifying of you. He said, just like I corrected you when you do right, I, I boast about you. I'm filled with comfort. I'm exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. Uh, so he said, just like I have to correct you, um, I can also boast about you when, when you're doing well. Uh, and, and he's including himself. He said, I go through things too. I have challenges. Listen, just because the preacher's preaching to you don't mean the preacher don't have challenges of his own, right? But the same holiness that is required of you is required of me. We all have to be holy. So he says, don't reject the word. When correction comes, receive it. So you can turn from whatever you need to turn from. Uh, so here is Paul saying, open your hearts. Don't push the word away. Don't push this away. So he's being completely honest with them. Um, and he's saying, because I'm being completely honest with you, you need to be completely honest and see the truth. You want the preacher to be honest with you. No one wants a pastor that's not going to tell him the truth. Something is wrong if you want a man of God to lie to you, right? You want the preacher to tell you, oh, you're going to be blessed. You're going to have a house. You're going to get a wife, right? You're going to have a husband. You want him to tell you all of that. And that might, that might not even be the truth. What if God don't want you to be married? I tell you the truth. That's all my job. Not to tickle your ears and to make you feel good to tell. And Paul is saying, I told you the truth. I'm truthful with you. You need to be truthful also and be honest and see the truth. See the truth. Why is it so important? You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. So he said, I didn't wrong anyone just because I told you the truth. I wasn't wrong. I, I had to do this. And just as bold as I was in correcting you, I've been bold in singing your praises. So he reminds them of this, uh, despite what some troublemakers may say, uh, you know, your pastor's wrong. He shouldn't he shouldn't preach against that stuff. He shouldn't tell them if they want to do this, let them do it. Leave people alone. No, if it's wrong. Do you not know that if the man of God does not correct, if the man of God does not preach against sin, the blood is required on his hands. But the Bible lets me know that if I tell you the truth, now, what you do with it after I give it to you is between you and God, right? But if I tell you the truth and you don't live the truth, then the blood is not on my hands. It's on your hands. And I'm going to tell you right now, I love you, but I'd rather the blood be on your hands than on my hands. So I have to tell you the truth. I have to speak the truth, even if it hits me in the face. Even if I'm preaching on me, I have to let the truth come out of my mouth.
And what is the truth? Holiness is still right. And we should live a life of repentance. If I've done wrong, forgive me, Father. And if, if the Holy Spirit is correcting you, receive it. Don't shut down. People do not like to be corrected. They don't like to be corrected. Right. And that there's a problem today. Uh, Paul said, great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I'm filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation for when. He says, for when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side without were fightings within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us. And now he's talking about his relationship with Titus, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. Um, so now he, he's pulling in the fact uh, that Brother Titus is, is bringing him words. Brother Titus came to me and I think Brother Titus might have even be the person that spoke to Paul about what was going on in the Corinthian church. Uh, so he's including him and he says, uh, don't be mad at him either. Right. We all have to live right. Listen, you should be so much. You don't want you don't want to be around people that see you doing wrong and won't even say nothing to you. Something is wrong. I can't trust a person who's going to watch me go into a hole and don't say nothing. And sin is a hole. Yes. And you mean to tell me people will sit there and let other people get into a hole and don't say nothing? Don't say nothing at all. Some people even help you go in the hole. Don't need people around you like that. I need somebody around me that's going to push me to live holy. Because holiness is still right. He said, I didn't come to condemn you. Hallelujah. I came to confront you. And sometimes people think confrontation is the same as condemnation. No, I didn't come to condemn you, but I came to confront you. Why are you doing that? Why are you talking like that? Why are you living like that when, when you know holiness is the way? What's wrong with that? Confronting. Uh, you know, it says, even the Bible says, tell the truth in love. And this is what Paul is doing. He is confronting them. He confronts the Corinthian church. He did not want to condemn them. It is possible to confront without condemning. Hallelujah. Though those who are being confronted, they rarely think that way. They always get in a hurry and they get huffy and puffy. And we have to come to a place, people of God, where you are able to receive correction. When you're able to receive correction. Why is it so difficult for saved folk to receive correction? Right? So um, let's move further. Hallelujah. Let's go to um, I'm in chapter seven, verse eight, chapter seven, verse eight. Now, Paul talks about this. He says, for though, for though, I'm sorry, I made you sorry with the letter. Um, and let me explain the letter because um, 
everything is not, all of the information is not given within these two chapters, chapter six and seven. Apparently something else happened where Paul had to send a letter through Titus, perhaps something else happened in the congregation where Paul had to make a correction, right? And it must have been a strong rebuke. Paul was the kind of pastor, he didn't mind telling you, you need to get that straight because God is not pleased. So he writes, he says, I made you sorry. I wrote this letter to you and I made you sorry. And again, listen, he's not writing to sinners. He's writing to the household of faith. I wrote you a letter and I made you sorry. And I do not repent for it. I'm not sorry for what I wrote. I do not repent, though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Listen to what, listen to what Paul is saying to them. It made you sorry for a season. Now I rejoice, not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that you said sorry. I'm happy that you were so sorry about what happened until you repented. You mean to tell me that people in church need to repent? People who are saved and claiming salvation need to repent according to what we're reading in the scriptures, which are sanctified self. If you do wrong, if you go in the wrong direction, yes. And Paul said, I, that's why I had to write you a letter. I can't get to you. I'm in prison. I'm somewhere else. I'm whatever. But he writes a letter. It's delivered to them. You all need to get yourselves together. Da, 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 da. And I made you sorry, but I'm not happy about you saying I'm sorry. Listen, my, my mother used to say to me, OK, because, you know, kids say I'm sorry all the time. They, kids might say I'm sorry 50 times in one day. And then the next day they got to say I'm sorry another 50 times. And it's over the same thing. They keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. That's not repentance. So Paul said, I'm not happy that you said I'm sorry or that I made you sorry. I'm rejoicing because you repented. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, verse nine, but that you sorrowed to repentance. But you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. So I'm glad that you're not sorry you were caught, but it was godly sorrow, godly sorrow. I'm not, because some people, they're not really repenting. They're just sorry that they were caught. Paul said, I'm glad that your sorrow made you turn from it because godly sorrow worketh repentance. And again, and you've heard me say it, I've said it over and over again, because some of us need to realize for those who fight living a life of repentance, who say, I don't have to repent anymore. If you do wrong, yes, you do. And Paul, and he's talking to the church for godly sorrow, work of repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this self-same thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, right? They repented and they even felt upset about the sin. Wow. What vehement desire, what zeal, yea, what revenge 
in all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter, a complete turnaround. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did it not for his, his cause that had done the wrong, nor for his cause that suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. I, 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 I just didn't write it for anyone's in particular benefit or to appease anyone, right? Uh, there's, there's, it's not a whistleblower thing, right? Um, I did this. Uh, so we can all be pleasing in God's sight. This, that's why I did this. And I'm glad that you were made sorry unto repentance, right? I, I didn't do this for anyone's particular cause or glory, right? But that our care for you, so you would know that we care enough to make the correction, to correct you. We care enough to tell you the truth. Holiness is still right to tell you the truth. And so you do, that you would know that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. This is why I'm correcting you. Paul said it ain't it ain't all about what you think it is. I'm, I'm doing it so we can stand before God. None but the righteous shall see God. I'm coming. I'm getting ready to come to a close. Right. Um. Paul talks about, I, I, I was not afraid to speak the truth to you. I spoke in boldness. I didn't come to condemn you. I'm, I'm joyful over this uh, because I wrote you a letter and I, we made the corrections and I saw that you were, you were godly, uh, sorrowful, so much so until there was a complete turnaround. And I'm joyful over this. There, there was a trial. It was tribulation. But we can rejoice in this because we received the correction and there was repentance and repentance leads unto salvation. Repentance, the same kind of, of humility that got me into this will keep me in this. And yes, saints do make mistakes. Yes, there are times when saints get tangled up in things that are not of God. And this is how I get out. I have to go back sometimes and do my first works over. And if I confess my sins, and we read the scripture, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins, right? And then he starts talking about Titus uh, and, and how Titus came to him. Uh, and there's, there was, there was a, a period of time where people were warring and fussing because, you know, there was confusion because sometimes in the midst of correction, there can be confusion because people do not want to receive. And the first thing out of my mouth is, who told you that? Uh, who brought you that news? And instead of taking it for face value and saying, here's my opportunity to change, to make a change, they start pointing fingers and saying, who, who told you that? That's not, you know, it just repent. Don't, don't fight it because we want to make it into glory. If you're wrong, say you're wrong. If you said it, say you said it. If you did it, say you did it. Remember that song? Uh, and this, the whole lot of songs come to my mind that we don't even sing anymore. Get right with God and do it now. Get right with God. He will show you how. Down at the cross. Where he shed his blood, get right with God, 
getting right, getting right with God. I can have church right here because that that song is screaming in my spirit. Uh, he, he said there was so much disturbance about all of this. Paul is talking to him, especially when he talks. Now, I, I can tell you where Paul was. Paul was in Macedonia, I think, you know, and he's saying there was so much turbulence behind all of this stuff. Uh, that our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side about this. And why was he troubled? Because I didn't know how y'all would receive this. Because some, you know, a lot of people don't want any kind of correction. They don't want the preacher to say nothing to them about their stuff. Uh, but if if you make that correction, then he says, I'll receive you. Here, here it is. If you make the correction, if you let God uh, make those corrections in your life. He said, I can, re I'll receive you and you'll be my son and my daughters. Right. So um, I want to take you and I, I want to show you something here. Um, I had it, I had it pinpointed in my notes. Here it is. So, um, and, and I'm getting ready to close. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. Um, it, it can be accompanied by sorrow, but, and, and this is what Morgan, Mr. Morgan says, he's another theologian. Repentance is not sorry only. It may be accompanied by a sorry, but sorrow will always follow sorrow for the past. But this change of mind is the great thing. So what he's saying, and it's, it, his English is different. He's, he's an English theologian across the pond. And what he's saying is repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry. It, there has to be a changing of the mind. That's why the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, and this is what uh, Mr. Smith says. He's, he's another theologian. He writes, sorrow alone accompanies nothing. Peter was sorry that he denied Christ and he repented. Judas was sorry. Judas was sorry. The Bible says Judas, Judas was sorry. So much sorry that he, he didn't want the, the silver anymore. But instead of repenting, he killed himself. See the difference? Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. He even let Judas know. Judas you're the one that's going to betray me. Judas didn't repent. Although the Bible says he was sorrowful. He was sorry. And there are a lot of people in church who, uh, listen, some people, and we're talking to church folk, both Peter and Judas were following Jesus. One repented, one killed himself. There are people in church who won't even say, I'm sorry. You talk anyway to people, you treat people anyway. And you he come hama mama, he all that hama hama, all that speaking in tongues, right? You talk about people behind their back. We even lie on people. Never say I'm sorry. And when people attempt to do it the Bible way, if you know your brother has an order against you, they come to you, I didn't do nothing to you, and you knew you and you know you did wrong. What's wrong? And you're living and you're living an unrepented life. And listen, even the idle words, and we, we taught this 
a few months ago. I'm going to be judged by God, even according to the idle words that come out of my mouth. How can you say you love God whom you've never seen and you show no love to people in your own environment? The stuff that we do and you never people in. I'm just saying people don't say um, sorry. Listen to this. Because and and I'm talking this and I and now some of you are flinching up because repentance tends to be a dirty word among the people of God. And it should not be not if we're living holy repentance. I have in my notes. Repentance sounds like a harsh word to many, but it's an essential aspect of the gospel and has been called even the first word of the gospel. When John the Baptist, when John the Baptist preached Right. He said, repent. This is what he said and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hmm. When Jesus started preaching, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'll read it for you. Matthew four seventeen. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Acts 2 and 38, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he says, Acts 2, 38, we like to quote this one. Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And I hear you talking to me. I hear you talking to me. You're saying, well, those were all sinners. All those scriptures you quoted, he's talking to sinners. I'm going to take you back to Matthew chapter three, verse seven. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, hmm, he's being baptized, he's baptizing people down the Baptist. When he saw the Pharisees and Sadducees, who were the Pharisees and Sadducees? They were people who already in that church. They were already in church or that church during the day. That was church. They were church folks. He looks at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and says, O generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. That's powerful. That was the church then. And he's telling them, y'all in the church, y'all in the church need to do some repenting. Y'all in the church need to do some repenting. I'm going to close out with this because uh, I've, I've held it and, and I'm going to come back to living a life of repentance. I'm going to come back to this next week, but I didn't want to hold you so long. Um, I'm going to close out with Revelation chapter three, verse 19. And we know um John the Revelator, the same, he's the last one left, and letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. You're writing to the church. Why? Because I want my church to be ready when I come. And when judgment comes, judgment comes, it comes first to the house of God. But before I come to get my church, I need my church to get in order. Here's Laodicea. And many teach that we are in that Laodicean age where the church is looking like the world. 
They want to do like the world. Even in worship, people are doing the dance, the worldly dances when they're supposed to be leading us in praise and worship. What is that? Right? Um, that's a lesson within itself. But this is what Jesus is saying through John's pen to the church of Laodicea. And this is what I'm going to close out with. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I want to come and get you. And I'm correcting you. I'm rebuking you because I love you. I'm going to tell you you're wrong because I love you. Be zealous. Get in a hurry. Get in a hurry about this and repent. Lo, I come quickly. I'm coming to get my church. And if there's anything you need to confess, anything that you need to get right, child of God, let's get it right. Let's walk up rightly before the Lord because he's coming. I'm going to close out with this. But I'm coming back to living a life of repentance next week. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your patience towards us, your long suffering towards us. We're not always what we should be, but we're striving and we know that you require holiness from us. Lord, anything that you see in us that's not right, we ask that you take it away cleanse us from all the unrighteousness, every wrong thought, every wrong motive. Help us, Lord. Give your people the courage to make those things that are wrong right. Anything between me and my brother, you said, leave my gift at the altar and get it right between us. Help us, O oh God, not just to look over our sins, not just to just push them aside or shove them underneath the rug, oh God, but that we would come to your throne and confess our sins. You're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. No more time for pride and got time for self-righteousness. We want to be holy. Hallelujah. We want to be holy. Help us, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. If my people who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That's repentance. He said, I will hear them from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal the land. New Testament scripture, he says, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. If you do this, I will receive you. I will receive you. That's a promise. I will receive you. I will forgive their sin and heal the land. I will receive you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters. The Lord bless you if we have been a blessing to you and you want to plant a seed in this ministry. You may do so, Brother Craig. We'll put that on the screen, giving you instruction on how you can do that. 
those of you who have been watching at our sister church, Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx, you may use Givelify. And I'm grateful to God, like we opened up saying, uh, for this honor and privilege to spend time with you. And I'm looking forward to spending time with you next week. Be careful, be prayerful, and be holy. Bless you.